That was weird, Alexa. Welcome, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome, all of our campuses, Homer, New Lenox, Orland. Welcome online. I got to say, uh, shout out to the onliners. I was one of you last weekend. It was my mom's 80th birthday. She turned 80 this last week. Way to go, mom. I love you. Um, both my parents are 80, and we, we were together with my sister and brother-in-law, and we didn't have a chance to go to church where we were, and we got together, and we joined you online. It's great to be able to have that. Casey did a killer great job last weekend, didn't he? I mean, it's so good to have you back, buddy. I, I, I appreciate you so much. Hey, let me demonstrate something he talked about. If you didn't hear it, we talked about worship last weekend and the value of worship. John and Lisa are proud grandparents, like all of us are, and their grandson, uh, Lucas, who's one month old now, you know, babies cry a lot at that stage. Their daughter, Emily, figured out that if she put on Christian worship music, it, uh, it soothed baby Lucas. Just watch. It'll blow your mind. Sing that again. Here's my heart. Here's my heart. Can you pray that to him? Here's my heart. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's like, wow. I got to throw that online. I mean, it's like the supernatural. One month old can see it, but you know, we kind of we, we kind of can't. That's why we need the church, you guys. That's what we talked about. I love my church. We connect. We contribute. We celebrate, or at least stop crying for a minute. Okay, that's why we do this. Uh, the I love my shirt church. I uh, love my church shirts. Um, that's really hard to say. Uh, big hit. Um, so, and we're we're gonna have fun with them. Okay. Uh, if you got a if you got a shirt. Um, my friend Bill went to Italy right after uh, we handed him out and kind of started something here. That's in front of the Vatican. So you do whatever you want to with that, okay, whole concept, all right? Uh, and, and I thought, well, that's kind of fun. And my wife and my administrative assistant, some of our team, are in Africa right now in Malawi, the only place where you can buy zebra skins. And they got their I Love My Church shirt, uh, you know, thing going on. And, 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 and this is Brent from the New Lenox campus, who is a lead singer of the band Poisoned Crew. Uh, and they uh, sang at Naperville's Labor Day Gala, and he was in his I Love. So I'm like, this is fun. Well, let's have some fun with that. So what I want to encourage you, if you've got a shirt, find some some fun ways to use it. Do hashtag I love Parkview uh, on, on social media and let's just share it. Let's have fun with it. Somebody get me Bieber. You know, we can do this. We get we can get we can we can make we can have some fun with this and, and, and we'll see what happens. And just so happens we also have decals now. I mean it's not like we're all into advertisement right now. We didn't put our name on the on the shirts, but uh, every once in a while I will see a detour sign. Uh, on somebody's car, which was like a Christmas Eve service that we did maybe 10 years ago. And I'll see it and I'll go, oh, then that person, you know, at least they used to go to Parkview or at least, you know, I know that. So we've got these stickers. If you want to put them on your car, you know, then when somebody cuts you off and they have this bright orange thing, you know, <laughs> you give them the Christian sign for happiness. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I mean, they're free. If you want them, grab them on the way out. So we're doing this playlist thing, okay? It's our way of... Um, 
And we're always looking for creative ways to help bring the teachings of Jesus into the world that we live in today. Because that's what Jesus did. He told stories. He used current events. That's how things happen, okay? So we're doing two current pop songs. I'll be doing another pop song next week. And we're not going to tell you what they are. It's going to be a surprise when you get there. Uh, and then Pastor Todd's going to be doing a, uh, a classic rock ballad the third week. And then I'm coming back for uh, the last week of September's baptism weekend. And we're going to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized yet, we'll have a couple hundred people at least at all of our campuses that will do it. And we will have a country song for that. And it's not took a drunk girl home, in case you're wondering, okay? <laughs> just a simple way to use the culture and, and just like Jesus did. So today, I, I want to set it up because I realize that not all of you are necessarily pop music listeners, you know? Your, your serious station is tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree and you're kind of doing elevator music all day. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background on who this is. Current artist who goes by the name of Kesha. All right. Uh, except the S is a dollar sign. I don't know why, but I think it's cool. So from now on, my name is Tim. Okay. <laughs> I work for Jesus. I have to live in Illinois and I like chocolate. That's me. Okay. And, and for those of you that understand this story, that's a brown M&M. I'm not like Eddie Van Halen. I will eat any kind of M&Ms. Okay. That, that's who I am. So the first time I heard Kesha's song on the radio, I was like, I was like, what station am I on? Because you may find this surprising, but I switch around a lot. Uh, my ADHD, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. So, so I didn't know if I was on a Christian station or on a pop station or a country station or whatever it was, because this song is so overtly a Jesus message. I mean, it's right out of the Sermon on the Mount, for crying out loud. And she has obviously been hurt, but instead of the normal uh, vindictive message of hate, you hate, you did bad things to me and I'm going to hate you back, she takes a little different angle at it. So here it is. See my point. See my point. Most people speculate, if you uh, do some work on it, that she wrote this song about a former producer and label owner. Um, but she never really said, and that's not really the point. The point is how she handled it. She's a strong woman. She's been a part of the hashtag MeToo movement. This song has become an anthem for women who have been beaten down, and I'm proud to feature it at Parkview because it is a beautiful balance of what happens when I decide I'm going to pick myself up. I'm not going to let you do what you were doing to me anymore, but I'm still going to have this balance. It's not a, it's not a we're not going to take it song. It's not a hate song. It's not a retaliation song. It's a you're a jerk but I really hope that somewhere you figure it out song. I'm actually praying that you are somewhere praying song. I'm glad I'm done with you and you'll probably never see me again. So it really doesn't matter, but I hope you're somewhere praying. Let me ask you this. Like me, when you heard that song for the first time or maybe just now, did a picture flash up on your mental screen? of who that person is, someone who hurt you, someone maybe hurt you obviously, maybe they don't even know they hurt you, maybe they hurt somebody that you love, but, but did a picture immediately flash up for you? I think probably for most of us, it did. So, so my follow-up is, 
again, like me, did a pop artist named Kesha with a dollar sign just shame all of us with the words to this song because we know that we don't feel as gracious towards that person who flashed into our mind as she just sang about? And we call ourselves Christ followers? I mean, I don't really know about Kesha's spiritual journey. What I know is she nailed this. Let me show you the lyrics again. I'm proud of who I am. No more monsters. I can breathe again. And you said I was done. Well, you were wrong, and the best is yet to come. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to go forward because I can make it on my own. Yeah, I don't need you. I found strength I've never known. That's going to be next week. I'm going to give you a little advanced peek. We're going to talk about some of that next week. I'll bring the thunder. I'll bring the rain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And when I'm finished, they won't even know your name. It's not going to matter what you did to, to me. You brought the flames and you put me through hell. I'm acknowledging what you did to me. I had to learn, however, to fight for myself. And we both know all the truth I could tell. All right? Up to this point, that hasn't happened. And I hope it doesn't. Because that doesn't help anything at all. I'll just say this. I wish you farewell. I hope you're somewhere praying. I hope your soul is changing. I don't know where she got it, but it's really possible it came from here. You have heard, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your enemy, love your neighbor, and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, in Jesus' day, they were operating under this principle of, I'm going to love the people I want to love, and I'm going to hate the people that I want to hate. That doesn't take very much, does it? I mean, that's kind of human nature, right? I'm going to love the people that I want to love, and I'm going to hate the people that I want to hate. I'm going to love the people that, that are like me, that are the, the same race as me, that are the same political party as me, that believe the same way as me, or whatever, whatever those things are in your mind. I'm going to love those neighbors, okay? I'm going to love those people, but I'm going to hate the people that are the opposite of that. And human beings make the Bible say stuff that it never said. They do it to this very day. Here's what the Old Testament said. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your own people. And then the next phrase is the golden rule, but love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. So what they had done is they had taken a liberal interpretation of this, and, 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 and they said, well, my neighbor is one of my people. So I'm going to love my neighbors, the, the, my people, and, and I'm going to hate the other people because I don't have to care about them. One rabbi from Jesus' day was quoted as saying, if a Jew sees a Gentile fall into the sea, let him by no means lift him out because this is not your neighbor. Let the Gentiles drown. We don't care about them. What is that? That's human nature. That's who we are. That's the problem of the world. And, and ironically, the problem of the world seems to be getting deeper and darker these days than better. Even Wakesh is trying to sing about how we should be doing it. This is why when, when the guy comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God, love your neighbor, vertical and horizontal. And then he follows up with the question, who is my neighbor? I mean, I think he really did want to know who the neighbor was. Like, who am I supposed to love? I, because my, my rabbis and my teachers are telling me I'm only supposed to love the people that are in my little group. So I, just want, I need to get a definition to make sure I get this right. And to that question, Jesus taught the, 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 the story of the Good Samaritan, which most of you know. 
And the good Samaritan was a, a Jewish guy gets beat up. He's left by the road. Two religious people from his own religion come by, pass on the other side, and go on their way. But it was a good Samaritan who stopped and helped this guy. And the irony of that in that story is that a Samaritan was worse than a Gentile. I mean, the Jewish rabbis would have definitely said, if a Samaritan is drowning in the sea, don't bother lifting him out because he's not your neighbor. Because they were partially Jewish and they had the Jewish religion kind of mixed up with some other stuff. And, and, and there was a big problem between the Jews and the Samaritans, more so than just a Gentile and non-Jew. So this was, the, this was the question, and this was what Jesus is saying. No, this is a different way that we're going to live now. Your neighbor is everybody. Okay, if you want a definition of what, what it's supposed to look like to be a Christian, I'll make it really, really simple. Hate wrong, love right. Okay, period. Jesus said, you have heard, somebody else is going to tell you, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to get. I don't care. This is how it's going to be. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But you say, Jesus and, and Kesha, these are my enemies. That's weird to put that in the same phrase, but that, let's, let's, just, let's just go, okay? These are my enemies, and there's a reason they're my enemies, and I don't like them, and they've hurt me, and they've wronged me, and I want to hate them, and they need, here's what I do, and they need to pay for it, and they need to learn a lesson, Right? So if I just love them and pray for them and I don't worry about it, then that just doesn't seem like they're ever going to learn. I love the story. Little baby Stephen was upstairs in the bedroom playing with his older sister Anna and mom was downstairs and all of a sudden she heard this blood-curdling scream come from Anna and, and she ran up to the bedroom to find Anna in this contorted position while, you know, while Stephen had a, a big handful of hair. You know what it's like playing with a baby. And, and, and so mom, you know, comforts Anna and, and says, there, there. He, he, he didn't know what he was, he doesn't know what he's doing. Stephen doesn't know that that hurts. So mom leaves the room. She's barely out of the room. Pretty, pretty soon she hears Stephen screaming bloody murder, the baby. She rushed back in and said, what happened? Anna said, he knows now. <laughs> that's what we want to do, right? That's, that's why we feel this way. Come on, they got to learn a lesson. Why would Jesus want us to show love for people that we have problems with? Well, let me show you another Bible passage that, that will give you one of the reasons why this is important, and then we'll talk about another one as we go. Romans 12, Paul says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. On the contrary, if your enemy is, in, is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Hang on to that. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, let me, let me explain the, the burning coals thing, okay? Because I know you're like, oh, that sounds like cool. You know, was that an X-Men? A ah, fire heaper, that's what I want to be. No, the, the cultural thing about that was the Egyptians had this tradition where if, if, you, uh, if you were busted for something or you wanted to show a public act of repentance or contrition, like, I'm sorry, you, you would, I don't know why, but you would put a bowl of coals on your head and you would walk around with it, Okay. I don't understand it any more than you do, but that was like, if you saw somebody walking around like that, it was their way of saying, I'm really sorry, okay? 
So what Jesus is saying is that if you feed your enemy, if you, if you give them something to drink, what you're doing is helping them to get better, to get to a place where they understand things. You will be, you will be causing their better attitude and their better behavior and their repentance faster than by, than by doing something in retaliation. Doing good is going to be better for that person in the long run and probably in the short run, because they're going to feel the weight of what they did. They're going to feel the heat of what they did if you are nice back to them. And it will also be the best thing for the world in the long run. I know it doesn't feel good, but if Kesha's song was just, I hate you, I hope you die, then the person on the other side of that, their reaction is going to be, well, who cares? I hate you too. And and then it turns into, I know you are, but what am I, right? And and it's just back and forth. Studies have shown you will always retaliate more when you are wronged. I I literally read this study about pinching. They did it, they did it, they did it like a like like a study. They put people in a room and they'd have one person pinch the other person. And they measured the pinching. I don't know how they did it, but but the, the person who was pinched always pinched back harder than they were pinched in the first place. That, that's what we do. We escalate. Your kids do this, right? If you're, if you're a parent, you get this. Thing one pushes thing two. Thing two hits thing one with his sword. Thing one tackles thing two. And pretty soon you have MMA in your house, right? I mean, you never see these things go the other direction. It always escalates. So what Jesus is saying is that the fastest way to stop the hate is for us to love our enemies, for us to give them a drink when they're thirsty. This is why Jesus also said, same passage, you have heard eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Right cheek, hang on to that. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, have him take your, let him take your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Okay? What, what is this? Okay? Law said that a Roman soldier could force somebody to carry something for one mile. That was the law. They had to have a limit on it, but they had to have the ability to be able to do that. And Jesus said, double it. What does this mean? This whole thing is about going the extra mile. That's our phrase. It's about turning the other cheek. It's about, about doing another step before we let things get into a place of hatred. This is not, let me be clear, a lay down and be a doormat kind of a philosophy. This is not even pacifism in many people's definition of what that would look like. Turning the other cheek was the end of the phrase. It was not let them beat you up. This is super important. Jesus, let me demonstrate, okay, help you to understand this. That's why I said right cheek is important. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, statistically, only 10% of the world is left-handed. Let, just process this with me, okay? All of our campuses, how many of you are left-handed? Let me, let me see a show of hands. Some of you are raising your right hand, which is kind of weird, but okay. Wait, stay, 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 okay? It looks like more than 10% at this campus, but we do tend to attract oddballs. So, I mean, that, what can I say, okay? We have a disproportional amount of Cub fans too. I don't know how it happens, okay? So, so if 90%, 90% of the world, or, or maybe it's 80 at Parkview or whatever, if 90% of the world are righties and most people most naturally are going to throw a punch with their dominant hand, right? 
I mean, that just makes sense. Then by far the most common cheek to be hit in a fight is the left cheek. If I'm right-handed and I throw a right, I can't hit your right cheek unless I, I missed. So, so very simply, what this, this is not about somebody punching you. This is about a backhand. The only way I hit your right cheek with my right hand is a backhand, which was a challenge, which was, I mean, think of those old movies where somebody would pull out the gloves and, you know, challenge somebody to a duel or something. That, that's what he's talking about. He's, he's saying if somebody challenges you, if somebody gives, them, gives you a backhand, then turn to them the other cheek. Uh, let, let her take their little white gloves and slap you. But that's the end of the equation. Jesus doesn't say if someone strikes you on the right cheek, just let them beat the snot out of you. That's not what he says. He says if somebody wants to take your, sue you and take your tunic, give them your cloak as well, which was your other garment. Not let them take your house. Jesus said go the extra mile, not as far as they want you to go. This is a, a, about another way to handle the people who are mean to you. But it is not about letting other people continue to hurt you. Hear me out on this. If you are in an abusive situation right now, get out. And please let us know how we can help, okay? I mean, talk to us at any campus that we've got, and we will help you, okay? Please, please. The, the, I do not want this to sound like, oh, well, I'm just going to let everybody walk all over me. No, no, no. That, that's not Kesha's song either, right? She got out. I, I, I can breathe again. The monsters are gone. This is, this, is, this is okay. What Jesus is saying, and again what Kesha was saying, was, was there's a different way to handle this. And instead of my anger, I'm going to respond by praying. Imagine the shock of a Roman soldier who, who, who doesn't want to be in Palestine anyway. He's there to keep peace. He doesn't, you know, know the emperor. He's working for this emperor that he doesn't know that's really a creep. And, and he, he doesn't want to be here. And he, and he forces somebody to go a, a mile. He says, hey, I need you to carry my stuff a mile. And you turn around and you go, well, how about if I go two? What, what would that do? It would throw him off balance. I mean, that's, that's the whole idea. Turn the other cheek. If Kesha's song is about a true situation, I wonder what it was like for her enemy to hear this song for the first time. I mean, my, my guess is it didn't matter. My guess is that person's reaction was, well, that's ridiculous. It's not about me. I didn't put you through hell, you know, whatever. But, but even so, the, the best way to deal with that other person was to cause an, an off-balance situation by saying, Look, you hurt me. I'm just hoping and praying. Because really the point of this whole thing is not about what happens to the other person. Praying for the other person will help them and, and, and loving the other person will help them faster than hatred. But ultimately, I think there's a selfish reason why Kesha hit a home run with this. And it's the simple question of turning the other cheek or going the extra mile or praying for or being nice to your enemies. It, it was what Paul said in Romans. And it's this, am I going to overcome evil or am I going to be overcome by evil? That's the question. Am I going to overcome evil or be overcome? That's the only thing that happens. 
I can either overcome the evil or I can be overcome with evil. And we see this going on all around us. Jesus knows that for us, revenge, retaliation, they're bad for our heart. This is the stuff that poisons us and consumes us. And you might say, well, PT, there's, there's no way I can love my enemy. And besides, how am I ever going to get on the Jerry Springer show if I live like this? <laughs> and I would say to you, does anybody look happy on Jerry Springer? I mean, Jesus talked about your joy being full, and God wants us to have joyful lives and, and a positive outlook on life. Just, just, just write this down if you have to. Here's what I know. It is impossible. It is impossible for a human being to hate someone and still be joyful. Isn't that true? Hate consumes us. It destroys us. It is impossible for a human being to hate someone and still be joyful. So I don't, I don't even care about them. What about you? When we're stewing on what happened, when we're going through the little scenarios of revenge in our head, we are never in a happy place. We are never at the Walgreens corner of happy and healthy, right? <laughs> never when you're in hatred. It's bad for your health. It's bad for your heart. It's bad for everything. And ultimately, all you're doing is letting that other person continue to control you. That's what bitterness does. Listen to the Hebrew writer. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. No, man, I don't want to miss the grace of God. I love the grace of God. And a, See to it that nobody misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness causes you to miss the grace of God. It's loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute you. It'll help them faster than anything else, but it's really for you. CBS News correspondent Steve Hartman reported on this story several years ago. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary, issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. In February 93, Mary's son, Larry Bird was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20 and Mary's only child. My son was gone, she said. The killer was a 16-year-old named O'Shea Israel. Mary wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult, sentenced to 25 years. O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood next to Mary. How a convicted murderer ended up next door, a door jam away from his victim's mother, is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, somehow, she could forgive her son's killer. I believe the first thing she said to me was, look, you don't know me and I don't know you, so let's just start right now, O'Shea said. I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that, and when he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself. I'm still working towards that. And to that end, reporter said, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day, goes to college by night, and he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. 
In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons and churches to large audiences everywhere. Mary was able to forgive. She credits God, of course, which is what a CBS reporter has to say, but also concedes a more selfish motive. This is what got me. Unforgiveness, she said, is like a cancer. It will eat you from the inside out, Mary says. It's not about the other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Don't miss this. Jesus doesn't stop at love. He adds prayer. He doesn't just say, love your enemies and kind of leave it as this overarching thing. He specifies a a particular way he wants his people to love. And that is through prayer. Back to Kesha. Oh, sometimes I pray for you at night. Someday maybe you'll see the light. They say, some say, in life you're going to get what you give. That would be the karma idea. But some things only God can forgive. At some point, I've got to bring God into this, and I've got to pray. And that can't, that can't sound all bible and churchy coming from Kesha, can it? That's why I love this. Pray for the people who've wronged you or who, who, who've wronged somebody you care about. Pray for them. I mean, that's like a different level, right? It's a hard thing. So rather than talk about it and preach about it, why don't we just do it? I want to ask everybody, even watching online, it doesn't matter. I want to ask everybody to think of a person that that is an enemy in your mind, somebody that's done something wrong to you. Don't worry. This is not going to be weird. We're going to do it all together. Nobody's going to levitate or anything. We're just going to do this together, okay? Just close your eyes and think of one person that you have animosity towards. If you need some help, how about an ex, okay? It'd be a pretty easy category, an ex-spouse, an ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Maybe it's a current situation that you're in and you're, you're in a bad spot right now. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's that girl at school who's mean to you or that neighbor who's mean to your kids. Just pick one person and when I help you right now, we're going to pray for them. And if you don't have any enemies, Mr. Rogers, Mother Teresa, then, then just think of someone that you wouldn't normally pray for and do this because this is for you and them. But I, I think you'll, you're going to feel it in your heart as we do it. Here we go. Close your eyes. Let's pray together. First, God, we just want to acknowledge that we don't understand all the things that happen in the world. And sometimes we get hurt by people and they didn't even mean, they didn't even mean what they did. They may not have even known what they did. We are also going to acknowledge that that some of us have a a picture of a person in our mind right now. They know what they did. They're a bad person. And and, and they've done horrible things. Lord, you told us to pray for our enemies. So right now, we pray for them. We're going to start with their relationships. And that's hard because in many cases, that's the disconnect between us and that person has something to do with a relationship. We're going to pray for their relationships, for their marriages, for their, for their family situations. We, 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 want, we want to pray that you will bless them and whatever that is. Lord, we want to pray for their, their financial situation, for their, for their job, that you will bless them, give them a good job, help them to have money to pay bills, help, help things work out in their life. And again, I think those two, these two categories are probably where most of the people fall into that we're praying for right now, Lord. I get that. And Lord, I want to pray that you'll bless them, even if they, 
Even if they treated us poorly, it doesn't matter. We're praying for our enemies. Lord, we want to pray for their, 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 their health. We want to pray that you will help them be well. That's a really hard thing for us to do because most of the time we want to pinch them harder. We want them to suffer more than, than they made us suffer. But we're going to pray for their health and for their, for, for the, for their wellness, for their, for their happiness. Lord, we pray for that, for their contentment, that they will, that they will be blessed, that they will be, that they will be under your care as you guide them. And most importantly, Lord, we pray that they are somewhere praying. And we pray that their soul is changing. We pray that they will be able to find peace. That's what Kesha said. I pray you find your peace. I pray for that. And we know that that peace can only come through you. So we pray for that relationship with you. And as we release these things to you, we acknowledge that you're in charge of the universe. And we just ask that you bless this person in the name of Jesus. Amen. That was really hard, wasn't it? But I guarantee you, you're going to walk away and you're going to go, wow, I, I, I feel better. I, I mean, like Lucas with that Christian song on, you know, I, oh, my eyes have been opened. I've really got some issues. That's what praying does. It turns that person into a real three-dimensional person instead of what I tend to do is I, I think of this person and as the sum total of the bad things they've done to me. But they're a human being. And what's really hard about it is that they are a human being that, that God loves in a deep and devoted way, just like, they are a just like I am, that same human. And it may not change the way that they feel about you. It may not heap coals on their head and make their heart turn towards you. But here's what I'm going to tell you. It's going to turn your heart around. You're not going to be overcome by evil. You're going to overcome evil with good. That's our goal. 1960, year-old girl walked into William France Elementary School in New Orleans. You know her. You've seen these pictures. Her name was Ruby Bridges one of the first African-Americans to go into desegregation in New Orleans. And as she walked in, it was, you know, National Guard's people holding the angry white mob back as they called her names and spit at her, and they were so mad. And Robert Coles is a psychologist, a psychiatrist from Harvard. He interviewed her a few years later, and he said, Ruby, we watched you. I mean, it was on national television. We watched you as you were going through the crowd, and your lips were moving. Were you talking back to the people? And Ruby said, oh, no. He said, well, what were you doing? She said, I was praying. I usually pray for people before I'm out in a, in a place like that. And I'd forgotten that morning, so I just decided that as I was walking, I would pray for them. And Robert Coles, who was not a believer at the time, said, well, what did you pray, Ruby? She said, I was praying that God would forgive them because that's what Jesus did on the cross. Soon after that interview, Robert Coles committed his life to Christ because that's the example that points people to who Jesus was. And don't let it be lost on you that when Jesus told us all these things, they were not hypothetical situations. Jesus turned the other cheek. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. 
He gave up his tunic and his cloak. When they had crucified him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. He was forced to walk the mile, but he was too weak to walk the whole way to the cross, so they invoked the law of the first mile on this other guy. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. Jesus would have carried it the second mile. He was just too beaten up to be able to do it. And he prayed for his enemies from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It wasn't hypothetical. He lived all of these scenarios, the slap, the shirt, the walk, the prayer. And it is with that in mind that we do communion every week here at Parkview, all of our campuses. And we're going to worship first so that we're ready to go. But um, I just want to call your attention to the fact that, that as we start thinking about loving our enemies and forgiving them and praying for them, that was the example of Jesus. And he did all of that so that I could have forgiveness. And he also taught us to pray for our enemies, even in his model prayer. So every once in a while, we like to do this together, and I'd like to ask you to stand, because what I'd like to do right now is just pray the Lord's Prayer together. Pay special attention to that one phrase, uh, two phrases, deliver us from evil is in here, and um, as we forgive those, And then we're going to worship together, and then we'll have communion together. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.